This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm Norman Lau, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcasts.roddenberry.com for you to choose from. Science, feminism, even daily news. Boldly go and find us when you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcasts.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to another episode of the Half Measures Podcast. For those new listeners, welcome. You're in for a ride. Sit back, relax, get yourself a cup of tea. For those old listeners, great to see you back. We love to have you around. My name is Dan, and I'm joined by my co-host, a man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. The man of the hour. I hope you don't find him sour, because he definitely brings the power. This is the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, throw some flour. Step back, Jack Bauer. It's Paul Canauer. Paul, how are you, my friend? Uh, can I just clarify what sort of flour is being thrown around here? You mean actually like baking flour? Okay, great. That was that 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 was that was impressive. And once again, I'm I'm coming in cold. I I just take my hat off to you, week in week out. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes are calling. Yes, it's the pride of the Hawks Bay. It's Rodimus Prime himself. It's DW. It's Dan Whiting. That's all I got. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I actually struggled this week. I I opened up my Google Doc um, where I have my my last week's notes ten minutes before the show, and I'm like, what am I gonna What am I gonna write? I tried to think about something football related. It wasn't really working, and then all of a sudden, I was just like, you know what? I need I need some rhymes to do with Kanawa, and then that's where the sour, the power, the hour, the flower, the Jack Bauer, the Paul Kanawa. It all just came together for me. You brought back so many, so many memories from my childhood uh, with all those rhyming words because they they were all all the rage in school. Uh, here I we go. do, I do feel like because there's a bit from my earlier introductions. You were about to spend an hour with Kanawa, mm. ladies and gentlemen, my friend, my chum, my bug, my pal, my co-host, Paul Kanawa. I quite like that bit, but I also quite like some of these rhyming pieces. So I probably need to workshop it just a little bit more. Workshop, I can imagine that. Here we are, already two minutes in. And we, we're still talking on the intro. This is this is why each week we keep going longer and longer. I've worked out, I've extrapolated the data that within a you know, within a year we'll actually be going for four hours per episode. So um, yeah, I think we could just have a podcast called the the, the half minutes introduction, and we, that's all mm. we do. We mm. don't talk about any TV shows, movies, entertainment. We don't have no mailbag. We're just introducing each other. I've always appreciated how in the show notes we sort of we put the time indexes, you know, so people know at this point we're starting to talk about what we've been watching. At this point we talk about what's in the mailbag and so people can jump ahead if they want to. We're going to have to start putting in time indexes for introductions, right? 
Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I think we've had some pretty good feedback, though. I think people are, are really enjoying it. So, um, look, good to have. until the until the ratings go down, I, it's making me stronger each week. Anyway, anyway, let's get let's get on with the show, Paul. Let's get on with the show. So, um, God, what do we what do we do? All right, so. I'm all over the place, as per usual, typical half measures. So if you want to uh, get in touch with us at Half Measures, there's all sorts of places you can do that. You can do that through our, our Twitter at Half Measures Pod. Uh, you can do it through um, our Facebook page, our Instagram, our even our Pinterest page. We've got a Discord server where a lot of the con- uh, conversation and news kind of that happens throughout the week um, happens there. So we'd love for you to come and join us there. We've also got a, a Patreon page where... Um, you can come and support the show, and a special shout out to our our two Patreon producers of the episode, Samara King and Trisha Brady. We thank you yet again for your service. So, Paul, that age-old tradition, what have you been watching? This week, I have mostly been watching Breaking Bad, Seinfeld, How to Get Away with Murder, underrated show. But what I'm going to talk about, first of all, is actually uh, a movie. Um, Another gem of a find on, you've guessed it, Amazon Prime. Uh, This is a movie called The Beyond, uh, which is a sci-fi movie from 2017. And uh, it's another one of those classic finds of me. So um, so just to sort of give you an intro on this, this movie plays out in a very documentary fashion, right? Okay, so it provides like a largely interview-based viewpoint. And it's about a mission, here we go again, that sends astronauts modified with some very advanced robotics through a newly discovered wormhole, which is uh, pretty close to our solar system. So, um, yeah, so sci-fi sci-fi movie. Movie follows the journey that the space agency team go um, to get this project over the line, the struggles they go through, the prototyping, the development of their approach, all those sorts of things. And ultimately, it's that quest to discover what's on the other side of the wormhole. Um, being that this is the first ever time that humans have tried to do this sort of thing. So straight away, I'm already hooked by that synopsis. Um, it's, it's just, it's just such a, what I loved about it, it felt very real. So something about those sort of movies, and yes, as I said, it's a documentary type fashion, but there was no sort of Hollywooding about it. Um, there's, there's no sort of dramatic approach. And that's not to say that I don't like that because, you know, Interstellar, you know, contact two of my favorite movies ever very you know dramatic hollywood but the beyond it just feels like what it might actually feel like like if this was to happen for us next week and a wormhole appeared and we were we we're going to try and go through it this is how it feels it might actually look in terms of what we see on the news the reactions that you'd actually see in the streets it feels like it feels legit like if, if you were to watch this without seeing any of this the credits you might even think you were watching a documentary so there's that genuinity genuinity is that a word i don't know i'm going with it um that really really helps to support that feeling and uh, it kind of reminds me of mars which has a you know sort of that similar sort of documentary style in fact i'd say it's even better than mars mars but um yeah this is this is a great find amazon prime uh have you heard of this one dan it's uh it's not it's not no. overly well known no i haven't i'm uh just very quickly looking at some notes around it it looks like a interesting like the trailer looks quite um high production values um and 
so it looks like it's a bit of a, a yeah, sort of documentary movie kind of clips all kind of merged together into some type of movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's 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 a style which I guess I have seen before, but um, this just 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 seems to work really really well. So it's kind of like if you think about any good documentary you've seen, that sort of high quality documentary style sort of really comes to the fore. What got this one on your radar, Paul? Uh, the classic, the classic search, Amazon Prime search through the sci-fi movies, and. As always, I'm looking at the the poster and just thinking, oh, that looks interesting. And then I just read the synopsis, and it was that synopsis which I sort of paraphrase just to give it a bit more context that just hooks me in. Just the idea, um, like so many movies I've watched lately, like Astronaut, The Last Push, um, Earthrise, anything which is kind of just bordering on sci-fi that's that could be something that could potentially happen in our life if if you know it, the the technology isn't it's not star wars it's not star trek it's not way out there it's it's kind of like we're dealing with the space agencies it's it's kind of that realism that's what gets it on my radar anything like that um the guy uh, the writer director hasraf dalal uh, he's not someone i'm familiar with um but he has worked on the dark knight he's worked on hellboy 2 he's done a lot of visual effects work but i haven't actually seen anything that he's directed or written before but I have added several of his his films to my watch list now, so I can't wait to get amongst them based on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, this, I, I get the sense that maybe the budget wasn't huge on this movie. The special effects are quite good, though, and I guess with him having a visual effects background, that might be part of why that is. But um, And it is a slow-moving movie. I guess I should probably pre-warn people of that because not everyone likes that. I love, I do like a nicely paced movies. Uh, you know, it goes quite slowly. It's just, it's well done. It's intelligent. It's thoughtful. It's, it's creative sci-fi. It's very different. And um, yeah, there was some good casting as well. So um, Nigel Barber was in it. He was in the most recent James Bond movie, Spectre, and also uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, Jane Perry was great. Uh, Nolan uh, Kamiski as Jessica 2.0. Uh, so they have these like, I don't want to give away too much, but they have these humanoids with sort of like these really advanced robotics, which doesn't make them androids, but just gives them some enhancements. I give it two thumbs up and I thoroughly recommend it to anyone who likes a sl- solid size of uh, science to go with their sci-fi. Two thumbs up. How many is that two guns akimbo? That is six guns akimbo on the guns akimbo scale, I think. Yeah, I think we've got to work out this guns akimbo scale because I feel like we're getting some good feedback on it. Yeah, I feel like two. I feel like two guns is the maximum guns that you can hold. I, so I, is it like two guns, one gun, or no guns? You know. Well, we know you can have at least three. There's that guy. What's his name from uh, the Mandalorian who had that gun that came out over his shoulder? Remember that was pretty cool. So you can have at least three guns. Uh, if you've seen, uh, what's the other one with Antonio Banderas? Or maybe it's um, Desperado. Until Dawn. You can actually have, oh, yeah. Desperado. You can have guns all over the place. But um, yeah, I think I need, I, again, I need to workshop this guns at Kimbo scale. It's a it's an important component of the of the Half Measures podcast. I like the fact that it's completely ambiguous and no one knows what it means. It keeps, you know, because the next movie, maybe it's three. You could give just you know seventeen guns at Kimbo. I don't know. So can you give me a Guns Akimbo rating for this, um, the Beyond? I gave you it. It's six. And that's, that's what you're getting. It's six. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, it's, right. it, it's, right. it's really, really good. Don't go in expecting, you know, your starfighters and space battles and all the rest of it. It's, it's, it like is, the swords. It, yeah, it is low budget. 
and I have an appreciation for those types of movies, but they've done it really, really well, and it looks less low budget than it actually was. That's that's that is a compliment if it sounded wrong. I feel like you should offer a service, Paul, to um, Hollywood, mm. where they send you their, I'm going to say C-tier, C-tier movies, and, <laughs> and you, may, you maybe write the, you write the synopsis, um, you, um, I don't know, maybe just some, some early reviews. Um, just so they can sort of, you know, they've still got some chance to, you know, do a bit of editing, do a bit of backroom work. Maybe see sees it sees a bit rough, but you know, those those the non AAA titles, yeah. the ones you know, you're you're passionate about it, and they would, I would imagine they'd love your feedback on this. I'm expecting after today's episode, social media managers are going to go nuts. The Beyond um, crew is going to go nuts. They're going to love it. It's actually that's one of the things that I do find satisfying is that, of course, the producers and the writers of these movies, they are, as you say, they love to get the feedback because you know, then I guess they are they're, they're kind of starting out, right? And so the feedback, you know, we had the director of um, uh, the astronaut last push, uh, the director of uh, Earthrise, actors, producers. We've had people follow us on social media from those productions and I, yeah i think there is something about it um that i do i do i do enjoy that because this movie doesn't score well online like i think it's like mm-hmm. it's averaging like a, a five here and a six there and and I, I just don't think everyone has the appetite for these types of things so uh but if you're gonna listen to this podcast that's what you're gonna get but guess what else you're gonna get from me dan oh what what i'm intrigued it's time to steal some more dvd players because i'm back into it dan it's been a few oh, weeks, yes. but I felt mentally prepared to visit another movie from the Fast and the Furious franchise, and I'm up to Fast Five, which is uh, 2011. So that we're now we're 10 years on from that original 2001 movie, and for for this franchise, honestly, I could not be more pleasantly surprised. So, for anyone who hasn't seen this masterpiece. This this one literally picks up from the the same scene that we leave the ending of Fast and Furious with uh, Brian O'Connor uh, uh, bra- basically breaking Dom what's his name Toretto Toretto out of out of custody yep. Dominic Toretto Dom, yeah. Dominic Vin Diesel uh, so it was sort of yeah straight away carrying on from that movie in this incredible bus flipping scene I mean it was what a just, great opening scene by the way that's how great you open a movie scene. right it's it's like it's sort of trying to teach James Bond the lesson. If you're going to have an opening scene, this is how you go with it. Pre-credits, right? And um, so, yeah, so th- as they flee the border, we find these guys backed into a corner in Rio where they must pull one last job in order to gain their freedom. Um, but not only then, these guys have to deal with a corrupt businessman on their tail. They now have to deal with The Rock. And worse than that, The Rock is angry. And, you know, He's got guns. He's got actual guns, you know, and uh, he's actually got perhaps some of the most hilariously bad dialogue I've ever heard, but I loved it. It's honestly, it's like the kind of lines I would expect to hear from, I don't know, like a like a Steven Seagal straight to video movie or something. Um, in fact, no, he makes Seagal sound like Shakespeare at times, but I really didn't care because this whole movie had a, 
had a real hurricane heist type of vibe, um, which we talked about you know, a few weeks ago when we reviewed that movie, which was also Fast and the Furious you know, related. But, you know, I'm here for the action. I'm here for those cheesy lines. I had some laughs. There were some unfeasible stunts. And yeah, I look, give or take that, um, what was the one which went off? Uh, uh, Tokyo Drift, yeah. Apart from that one, I, I honestly feel like these movies are actually getting better and better with each movie, which I find intriguing because I remember you said to me, it's downhill from here, or it sort of gets worse, or it gets more and more unbelievable. So uh, the fact that I'm enjoying it more, I find really curious. <laughs> I, I think there's a bell curve uh, to these movies, and it would be really interesting um, as you get near, you know, as you progress with this journey, to kind of maybe um, map them on the Gunsakimbo scale just to see where the, where the dips are. Mm. Um, and it's interesting too, like obviously you're, you know, you're kind of, you're coming at it um, um, a little bit later and a, a little bit fresher. Um, yeah, it, I, I think that that opening prison break scene is, is definitely incredible. And there's some, definitely some, some wild stunts throughout uh, Fast Five. And I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're back on the train. Yeah, and it's it, it. Look, I'm ready for it to dip. I, I think the only place this movie dips, when I think about it, is is actually when it sort of goes back to some of its old habits, and it goes back to some of those cheesy street race scenes with you know the race cars and the girls and all that trash talking. But putting aside that, I feel like this movie does tick a lot of the boxes for what I would want from a Saturday night movie. There's, there's also, you know, you know how I used to complain about the soundtrack in the first movie or two. There's none of that. I feel like the soundtrack hasn't, hasn't dated. It's largely more electro, I would say than rap. I don't know. I'm not a music connoisseur. I think this, but- this is the, this is the thing um, with, with these movies as they progress is there is always an element of um, street racing um, but you're now entering the era of the Fast and the Furious superhero, and things are just going to ramp up from here. Right, and it, it was you know, talking of which it was great to have uh, Tyrese Gibson back uh, and Ludacris. Both of them are great. I think they both have hilarious dialogue. I really enjoy them. Um, Joaquin De La Mida, he's really good as the the main bad guy. I feel like he's kind of played that role many many times. But yeah, he was he was really good, and. Um, when I was talking before about the unfeasible stunts, I mean, I don't know how well you remember this specific movie, but there's this scene where there's there's two cars towing like, I don't know, like a 10-ton solid steel That's safe. Right. Yeah, safe. Like half the size of a shipping container through the streets, ripping through concrete buildings, and yet the whole time Vin Diesel's car... <laughs> like reacts like he's just towing a light trailer that's just gone over a small pothole i mean it's insane i don't care but it's just it's crazy so uh yeah for saturday night movie it gives me hope for the franchise i give this uh seven guns akimbo and i'm ready for first and the fear of six paul i think what we should do for fast nine is i think we need to have a, a family viewing your family my family you know, we need to, we need it's to go on this family. journey together. It's all about family, right? Yeah. And it's obviously kid-friendly. <clears throat> definitely, definitely. That's awesome. Oh, welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so probably the last thing from me before I hand over to you, uh, and I'll just be brief, but I, I know I've talked about this a lot on the pod, but I've been, I've been watching Breaking Bad. I've been sneaking in the odd episode of Breaking Bad here and there. 
And we've said it before, there's a reason why Half Measures is the name of this podcast. What what an amazing TV show. I'm at the I've just gone past the finale of season four where Salamanca finally gets his revenge on Gus with the help of of Walter. The tension of that whole episode is just off the chat. And I know I've I know what's gonna happen, but even watching it again, it just feels just as tense. Um I think I'd forgotten uh, just how early in the series that whole Gus Ring death happened. You know, I felt like that was so much closer to the end, but we've still got another season to go. Um, and so, yeah, season five starts with Walter looking very different on the run with a beard, new glasses. Um, and it's just it's just great. And we've, I've still got to have the demise of Mike. We've still got Saul going on the run. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait to finish this and go straight back into Better Call Saul. But um, just to, I'm just putting it out there as just a reminder to anyone who hasn't seen the show. I cannot recommend it enough. Just so good. Are you going to go into like finish with an El Camino chaser at the that's, end of this? That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, where do I place that? I, th- I think you're right. I think that's that, I think that's probably the way to go because uh, it ties in so well with the end of Breaking Bad. Um, mm. So that makes absolute sense. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And then back into Medical Saw. I am with you, Paul. It's such a, a quality series, and hearing you talk about it all the time it makes me want to rewatch it and i but i feel like it's too soon mm. and i feel like sometimes these things have to be savored correct. um correct almost like a, a good book that you might read once a year or something i feel like breaking beds in, the, in that category for me yeah but uh yeah that's me i'll come back and join us for old man and the gun that movie okay, of the week cool. spoiler alert <laughs> oh spoiler can't wait for that one so um <laughs> uh so what have i been watching so uh last week i mentioned how i was doing a rewatch of eastbound and down mm. so there's uh f- four seasons of that show so I-, I finished that off um already talked quite a bit about it last week um i so danny mcbride um hbo show and just just incredible such a, a great watch I actually think season one is is my favorite form of Kenny Powers, where he's still really confident um, about his own abilities, um, having come out of the the sort of big leagues. But he's kind of down and out, and I think the each each season sort of the the growth of his character. Mm. And by the time you get to season four, like he's still Kenny Powers, but he's a little bit more. It's a little bit more. Um, he's a little bit more rounded out from season season one. Um, Correct. Kenny Powers, but su- such a quality watch. I really enjoyed it, and I found it a real easy binge. So, again, if you, if you're interested in um, in sort of a, a good dark comedy, definitely check that one out. What are you watching uh, that one on? I've been watching that one on Neon. Neon. Yeah, I may maybe I maybe I break up my break between medical saw with a bit of an East Ben and Dan. I don't know. It feels it feels like it could be a possibility because what you just said about me talking about breaking bad, making you want to have a rewatch is exactly how I feel with East Ben and, and Dan. And he is one of those top 10 TV characters, isn't he? He really is. Oh, he's, he's incredible. Um, yeah. I, for I don't for want all to, the wrong reasons. Yeah. For all the wrong reasons. It's, like he's a, he's a real, he's an asshole, you know, ultimately, but um, it's, it's, it's a great character to watch when you, you know, from the from the safety of your own house, having to deal with them, I imagine, would be a Correct. a real nightmare. Correct. 
Uh, I've been progressing my watch of Star Wars Rebels, so I'm about halfway through season four. Mm. Um, I'm kind of, I feel a bit sad that it's I'm I'm kind of on the the final. I think it's what fifteen episodes or something in season four. I'm kind of I'm not ready for it to end because I kind of feel like it brings it brings me right up to date with um, the animated series, mostly apart from I guess. I know this is sort of the uh, more child-friendly Disney animated um, cartoon. Not sure whether I'll watch that or not, but I've been really enjoying it. I think I know that you mentioned to me that was it season late season two, season three, such top quality. I'm mm-hmm. still enjoying season four, and I think what I'm actually really glad about is I feel like it's timing me really nicely into the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and I know that there's obviously quite a jump between what we're seeing in Rebels, um, fast-forwarding into, into Mandalorian, but just with all of the the, the hype and the rumours and the sort of news that's coming out of there about some of the some of the things that might be happening in the Mandalorian, um, particularly about some of the, the, the crew from Rebels appearing in there, people like Ahsoka Tano. So good to kind of like have those stories rounded out. And so... I'm still in the same camp as last week that I think Rebels might be still slightly the better show for me. It's I'm, I'm just really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the deeper dive um, into Mandalore in particular. So many, so many great stories to be told there, which I think we, we touch on in the Clone Wars, but in, in Rebels it really fleshes that, that storyline out. So I imagine by next week I probably will have finished. Mm. It's It's a... Yeah, well, where am I starting here? Season two, three felt like the peak for me, but the finish to four is strong as well. I think you're going to absolutely love that. And I'll never forget watching live coverage of the Star Wars celebration when Dave Filoni and the the guys came out on stage and said that this is this is the final season. This is the final season. We're wrapping it up. There is no season five, and we're going to make a new show called Star Wars Resistance, which, as you touched on, is is way more kid friendly. It's still good, but it's not. It's not Rebels. It's not Clone Wars. And so, so watching it for this first time, then honestly, it's it's one to savor. And the finish, the finish is strong, and it does leave you wanting more. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm so glad because uh, I know I was giving you so much grief, saying, "Come on, you got to get in there and watch it." And now, now you, I'm seeing the fruits of that labor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as I said, I think the length of the Mandalorian is so great. I'll tell you one thing that's kind of like low-key irking me is in um the latest star wars movie there's that scene in uh the desert where i think it's poe says about the stormtroopers they fly now and i feel like throughout actually quite a bit of clone wars and rebels everyone's flying all around the place you know everyone's got their um the mandalorians have obviously got their jetpacks um you've got stormtroopers with jetpacks come on poe what's going on you know they've been flying for ages yeah is that that's a, that's a really good spot in terms of like a uh, a canon sort of uh, not a, an oversight maybe an oversight but yeah and, and I can imagine you know probably from a Poe might not have, have experienced it but it's just kind of for some reason it's just been every time I see someone flying I'm like mm. this is going to be news to Poe you know he doesn't know anything about it but anyway top show top show. I have been um, also dabbling in a little bit of gaming. Um, I've been playing the the Marvel Avengers game, 
And so just want to talk about that briefly because it's got such a, a strong connection to the uh, – it's, it's actually got zero connection to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but, but I think because the Marvel Cinematic Universe has made um, these heroes so mainstream, it's been quite a quite a fun game to play. You get mm-hmm. to play as um, – there's five different heroes in the game currently, but there's, there's plans to bring out a whole roster of them. There's Thor, there's uh, Black Widow, there's Captain America, there's Iron Man, um, there's Miss Marvel, and it's it's, it's a it's a great kind of uh, beat 'em up. There's some great co-op features, so that's been fun. Nice. The one that I the show that I want to talk about, and the show that I've um, I guess have I've binged pretty pretty hard to be honest with you, Paul, over over the last week. Um, and you may remember several episodes of Half Measures Ago, um, there was some news that Cobra Kai was coming to Netflix. Mm. So Cobra Kai um, is was a, originally came out on YouTube Red as a as a YouTube series. Obviously, um, YouTube isn't progressing that um, that type of content on on YouTube anymore. Uh, Netflix has uh, picked it up, and this may be one of my most fun TV watches of 2020. Nice. So a little bit of um, context. So um, I'm not sure. So this basically is a, is a, is a, is a spin-off from the original uh, 1984 um, movie, The Karate Kid. Were you a fan of the, the Karate Kid growing up, Paul? I've got to be honest. I watched it a couple of times. I thought it was fun. I liked it, but I never, I never sort of, it never stuck with me like a cult. Like we talked about some of the cult classics, but um, it's it's great for me. Karate Kid is a part of my childhood. Right. I love this movie so much. This was a movie that was, you know, whenever you went to some kid's birthday party, and without a doubt, Karate Kid would come on. And then after that, people are doing crane kicks in the backyard. They're yelling out, "Sweep the leg." It's a movie I still love to this day. So Cobra Kai is uh, basically, it, it's set in, in current day, and it basically picks up the story where Karate Kid, which is one, two, and three, uh, kind of left off. And so it's it stars um, Ralph Macchio as um, Daniel LaRusso and um, William uh Zabka, who played uh, Johnny Lawrence, so they were basically the two of the main characters from the original Karate Kid. And if if you remember, Paul, that she had the had the famous fight at the at the end mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. end of the movie. Um, and uh, the Daniel Larusso character, he basically like won won the fight with the crane kick and took home the trophy. So you imagine sort of current day, and I'm, I'm sort of gonna I'm gonna dip in and out of spoilers, but I'm not gonna go deep spoilers because I think this is this is such a good show. I if you're a Karate Kid fan, I want you to watch it. If you're not a Karate Kid fan, it, it may or may not be for you, but basically picks up in 2019 and we've got um, the Johnny Lawrence character who's basically ever since losing that fight uh, back in 1984, it's kind of just that's become his life. He's kind of like he's an alcoholic he's, he's kind of down and out. He's had a uh, he's got a real broken relationship. He's kind of lost in the world. And then on the flip side, you've got um, the De- uh, Daniel LaRusso character, and he now owns, like, car franchises. Like, he's he's killing it. He's got a, a nice home in, in Hollywood. He's got a wife. He's got, like, uh, two kids. 
And sort of through a, a series of events, Johnny Lawrence ends up basically restarting the Cobra Kai Karate Studio. And what's really interesting about Cobra Kai is it's kind of tonally, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where it's pitched, right? Like it's, so the basic premise is Cobra Kai starts up, um, the beef is still strong between uh, Daniel LaRusso and Johnny Lawrence, but they kind of work things out and they don't and they're constantly kind of at, at tension. Um, you've got kids who are all of a sudden like learning karate. People are constantly breaking out into karate fights. Like you wouldn't at school, you know, any any problem needs to be settled, instantly turns into a karate fight. You're at a party, something needs to be settled, karate fight. Makes sense. Um, and then there's... <clears throat> makes sense and so the Cobra Kai way is a their mentalities are really sort of like strike first um and basically you know go go for the kill type mentality whereas the the Daniel LaRusso um karate is much more zen it's much more Mr Miyagi taught them to mm. you know breathe relax you know don't react you know and so it's so quite a different approach and so the tension kind of builds across the the two different seasons it's one of those shows too where so it's it's really funny. It's got like a really great uh, 80s, 90s soundtrack that keeps sort of being brought back to life. There's, it's great seeing all these old – they've got some great characters from the original movie. It's also got um, Martin Cove um, who plays um, Sensei Chris, who was who was the original leader of uh, Cobra Kai, the, the original Sensei. And like this guy's in his 70s and it's, it, they've still got him um, running karate classes. Like it's it's so good. It's also one of those um, shows where so they've, they've got all these kids who are doing karate and they're basically like, you know, like there's a kid who's kind of like down and out and picked on. All of a sudden he starts karate. Next minute he's like super ripped and he's like looks like, looks like he's been doing karate for 100 years. But honestly, such a fun watch. I can see the passion. I can hear the passion. And what I love uh, about it is – what you just touched on towards the end about how much they've kept true to the original. I was just looking at um, pictures of Martin Covey. Um, it's incredible. I love the fact that it's the original, you know, I'm, I'm going to butcher his name, Ralph, Ralph, Ralph Machio. Machio, yeah. Machio and, and William Zabka coming back together. And that's what gives it the credibility. That's what would actually draw me in is the fact that it's these guys. And I was just reading through some of the trivia. There's so much stuff that's just great. Like when they did the original Karate Kid, the, the director shot hours of tournament footage from multiple angles. And now they can, they've been using those as flashback scenes, which is, you know, just absolutely amazing. There's um, the ribbon that Daniel wears when he decides to train karate again is the actual ribbon from the first movie I, I love that um daniel's car in season two same car from the first movie i mean there's so much stuff that's just that keeps it authentic and keeps it within that universe uh, it makes it great i love that and that's the thing right like so all of this additional content that kind of brings in really grounds it back in you know these these two characters the daniel larusso and johnny lawrence they're so like their lives have been so shaped by this one time karate tournament and people come into for example the car dealership that daniel runs and they're like oh you're the guy that won the um the all valley championship like and when you put that in perspective this is like uh, a local karate tournament back in you know 
what are we talking almost 40 years ago and and you would think people would like know about it it's so it's so just kind of so central to their life and it's funny because it's kind of there's this whole thing with the karate kid um i guess the is it a, a fan theory or a common narrative you hear around the original 1984 movie is was Daniel LaRusso the real bully and uh, Johnny Lawrence actually was just kind of the, more of the the victim because when you look back at the Karate Kid, hmm. a lot of the incidents and fights are actually triggered by, by Daniel as opposed to Johnny Lawrence. And the really, I guess, woke thing about Cobra Kai is they play that tension all the time in the show. And so there's constantly this kind of like, who's who's actually the bad guy here? And you actually kind of have this weird empathy for for the different characters and the different things they go through. And one of the the really awesome things they've done with um with Johnny Lawrence, like he's I think he's about fifty-four or something and um and Daniel Russo, he's in his um the, the character or mm. the actual the actors. Oh sorry, uh, Ralph Macho, he's he's all heading towards sixty. So these, yeah. these guys aren't young. But with um with the Johnny Lawrence character, they've kind of played him as this guy who's he's kind of just been living under a rock. So he's got like no idea how like the internet works. He's got no idea about anything, um, any of the the modern awarenesses that we have. And because he comes from that sort of Cobra Kai mentality of everything's real black and white, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's no um, there's, there's, there's no time for weakness. And there's this, there's this funny scene, but it's done tastefully around, like there's, a, there's this lady rings up and she's like, oh, you know, what time are your classes? Like, do you do boys and girls? And then... You, you don't hear her voice, but you just hear Johnny kind of responding. And then one of the questions must be like, do you also work with like transgender students? And and he's like, what what the hell is that? And it just kind of like really summarizes his character. Like he's just so Out of touch. stuck back yeah. in 1984. He's got no idea about mm. the modern world and just watching trying to navigate it. I just had so much fun. Like it's it's ridiculous. I laughed. I enjoyed it. There was times where it was kind of a little bit like, a little bit corny, but it was the greatness outweighed all of it. I give it, I give it a hundred guns of Kimbo. You know, that, that's pretty high on the scale given the, the current ratings that we've used. That's that's great. And look, I'm thinking of movies that I loved in the '80s that maybe not everyone did. Uh, and thinking if they were a TV show now with the original cast, I would be all over it. So I can only, I can really appreciate. The, the feelings you're having watching the show and the fact that not only because because we've talked about this before right when when people come back it doesn't always work this is one that clearly is and uh the, the comedy elements uh looking at some of the reviews here seems to work really really well based on what you've said as well it sounds the same 30 minutes an episode 20 episodes how can it be i feel like i've got to get into it I think you do. Like I was talking to um, Samara, who's been away uh, for the last couple of weeks, and she was like, oh, I want to watch Cobra Kai. And I loved it so much. I, I'm willing to sit down and go through it all over again. That's how much of a, a good watch it was for me. A, a, another funny thing about uh, the Johnny Lawrence is at one point he's pulling out like a, a Tinder profile and it's like, what, what are you into? Like, What's your favourite movies? And he's like, uh, Iron, Iron Eagle 1, Iron Eagle 2. Like he's just, he's so, he's so 80s. It's, it's incredible. 80s and 90s. That's great. It's good. It's good. It's good. Check it out, Paul. It's, it, it's a good watch. You could even, you know, probably watch Karate Kid first for even extra nostalgia around the whole thing. The, the, a, movie, the, the movie um, Iron Eagle 
um that's interesting because i'm just i was when i was going through the tri- trivia it came up he's watching that tv on the first episode um and actually rob garrison who plays tommy who's a fellow cobra kai and johnny johnny's friend in the credit kid he also actually appears in the early scenes of iron eagle so there was obviously a deliberate choice for that movie so that's brilliant it's amazing it's amazing and what's really great is there's a there's a season three coming i think we might have um had season three sooner had it not been for code but apparently it's it's all recorded and uh is due to come out next year i hope that whatever netflix has done in the um in acquiring cobra kai they keep all the same formula all the same people that kind of have brought this to life because i it's just so good i I think that there's so many ways that this could have been terrible and um, not fun at all, but it's a, it's a hell of a ride. Great. And so that, that probably really rounds out what I've been watching um, apart from a, a movie of the week. So pretty heavily Eastbound and Down in Cobra Kai. It's a great mix. It's a great mix. I have been uh, trying to bring in at work, but with little to no, actually, with zero success that, you know, maybe the way we need to solve things now is, is through karate, but there's been no takers. Yeah, but this, this could be a... It works on the show, but... That's correct. Yeah. Well, Paul, that probably, uh, what does that mean for us? Is maybe it's time to, to talk about our, our movie of the week. Yes, so this was my choice this week. And for those of you who are listening for the first time each week, we take it in turns, we choose two movies, uh, we send it to the the other person and they get to choose one of them and then we both watch it and review it the following week. And this week, uh, The Old Man and the Gun was the, the choice that Dan made from the two I presented him with. Uh, this is a 2018 movie. And brief synopsis, this one is it's based on a true story. Um follows the life of a guy called Forrest Tucker, who's a, a career criminal and a prison escape artist who uh, he actually spent most of his life robbing banks and then escaping from prisons many, many times in the most elaborate of ways. And that's pretty much the premise. Uh, so it's it's set in the early 80s. Uh, it's just over an hour and a half long. It's on Netflix. And yeah, my two cents. This is a great movie. But Dan, what are you thinking so far? I've got to be honest, Paul, this may be the worst movie I've seen in a very long time. I did not enjoy myself at all. I look, I've, I, would, I thought several times in the movie, I'm going to take my guns akimbo and I'm going to blow my brains out to end it all. It, it just didn't work for me at all. The redeeming factor of this whole movie for me mm-hmm think would be Robert Redford I think he kind of played a, a charming character mm-hmm. um, as a as a bank robber there was a certain charm to the way he he went about it but I just I just couldn't get into this movie and I thought to myself even though it was only an hour and a half long it, it felt like about seven seven hours for me and I I, 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 I just I don't know what it was. It just, you know, sometimes you just find something and it doesn't gel. I don't know whether, you know, maybe I'm too hyped up on Kenny Powers and Cobra Kai, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm drinking Monster Energy drinks. I'm, I'm on the Mountain Aid, so I'm on the Doritos. I don't know. The, the, I, I've got no culture. What, what I, do you know what? I love 
the fact that you didn't like it because I think I think it's it's great because sometimes if we if we both think something is great that gets a bit much sometimes perhaps but it's also great when you don't like something I've chosen because otherwise it just feels like I'm constantly hating on stuff that you've recommended I watch or or, or Fast and the Furious or whatever so um I I had a completely different reaction and I, I guess I went into it probably wanting to like it anyway, being that Robert Redford had announced when he, he filmed this movie that this would be his final film um, and that he was going to retire from acting. So this this was something which was, it was always going to be on my list as a must-see. But I just, I loved the tone of it. I loved the way it flowed. I really loved the pace, the low-key humour. Um, you know, you know. Last week, how um, when we were talking about our peak performances, uh, we had Clint Eastwood, and I said, yeah, he was just at that point where he was just perfect for Gran Torino. I just feel like it was, it was just kind of like that. Robert Redford, in his age right now, where he is in his life, given the types of movies that he's done and the uh, some of the classic ones, it just felt like it was almost like a, it was almost like a, a third. I could almost trilogy it up with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and the Sting, just especially the Sting where he's playing those sort of criminal types, um, but with a real dose of humor. It, it was an 80s look and feel, which I thought really worked. Um, I thought Casey Affleck, I haven't seen him in a while. I thought he was great as the the cop who was chasing Robert Redford. I thought he was really good. Um, another great bit of casting perfect foil for robert redford's character there was a scene where the two of them you know the scene at the the diner um where they're, they're just randomly in the same diner they're separate tables and then robert redford sees casey affleck and you think what's he gonna do is he just gonna leave before he gets spotted is he gonna make a run for it is he gonna confront him and for a relatively light-hearted movie i found that that scene really intense i thought it was really really good and then of course casey affleck when he when he goes to the bathroom and i'm thinking Redford's character, you know, he's got that I like playing with fire kind of edge to him. What's what, is he going to leave a note at the bar to let him know that he was there or something? But instead, it, he actually just walks straight up to him and then just passively aggressively low key taunts him and basically says, "You're never going to catch me." And I, I just thought it was great. So um, I found the casting was was really really good. Um, Sissy Spacek. Is that how you pronounce her last name? She was cast as the lady that Redford bumps into and then gets close with. I thought she was good. I loved the way she tried to teach him a few lessons, managed to, you know, tried to make him pay. She made, she made him pay for the jewelry that he'd basically just stolen. I thought that was great. Um, if I did have a criticism though, because I'm, you know, I'm not always totally positive, I actually thought that Danny Glover, if if you're gonna cast Danny Glover, who's you know, he's another big old school name. I'd like to have him maybe just have a few more lines, just be in the movie a bit more. I felt like it was a real waste. When I saw him sat in the car, I was like, oh, this is great. I haven't seen Glover in years. I thought they could have done more with him. And also the ending, if I'm fair. I thought it was okay, but I don't know. I would like the I would love the camera to have finished on Redford smiling or or something, just a bit bit more I don't know, something. It's a minor gripe. But overall I, I thought this was, as I said, a great final performance for him to bow out on. Um, I almost liked the way they kind of almost finished with that line. He said, um, when he was talking about escaping from prison and he said, I thought I'd save the best one till last. I kind of liked that. That was almost his final line in his final movie. Um, but yeah, I, I am, maybe I'm being blinded. Maybe I need to rewatch cause I'm I, Redford is possibly 
a top 10 actor of all time for me, which is a big call, right? If you think just 10, if you had to, if I said to you right now, call out 10 actors. So I just find him so consistent, so watchable, so convincing. He's one of those, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, Clint Eastwood, Marlon Brando, Paul Newman, Gene Hackman. He's, he's one of that generation that just absolutely classic. And so I put it right up there with some of his performances in the last 20 to 30 years, like, um, all is lost. The one he he was on the boat, the, the last castle spy game. I've, I really, really rated this movie. And, uh, Despite what Dan has said, listeners, I feel like you should give this one a go. I look at the space. I don't really, I don't really know what I have to say. Um, it's yeah, I, I, it's great. It's I, good. I don't know. It's good that we don't. You know, it's good that we don't always say I to like it. It gives me. It gives I, me I do. I do think Robert Redford was good. I think the the pieces that didn't work for me is I didn't really get the connect. Like I didn't really resonate, I guess, with um, Casey Affleck's character. Oh. Um, I, I didn't feel like he was good enough competition um, for for Redford. I didn't resonate all with this with. Um, with Jewel, the love interest of, mm-hmm. of Forrest, like, and and then I, I agree with you on the on the end point as well. Like, so you know, obviously watching it, but not, I didn't hate it. I just didn't, I didn't love it, and I didn't feel like I ever wanted to see it again. And I wished I had other things to do, um, but I feel like, and then at the end, it just kind of like wrapped it up quickly. Like, and this is a story. Da 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 da. This is sort of jump through some sort of time periods. So. I on I I feel sad for Robert Redford that that's his his last movie because I, I I'm with you I think he's one of the greats and I think he's done some classics and I think you know particularly Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid mm. classic classic movie um I I think there's there's, there's better ways he could have gone well. Do you know what? This one scores a, uh, a 6.7 on IMDb. It scores 80 on Metascore. So it's 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 middle of the road to good based on on other people's views. But I think it's great that we disagree. I'm, I'm really happy with that. I, look, I and I because I had a look around at some of the reviews and it, it's, it does have some pretty rave reviews. So I'm, you know, maybe I was dropped on my head as a baby one too many times. But um. It, I think there probably is some stuff in here for a lot of people, and I imagine the type of people, maybe the type of people watching it, like this, this really connects for them. But mm. yeah, unfortunately for me, it's a it's a solid pass. Yep, that's fair enough. If nothing else, we got to see um, that guy John David Washington. He was in it as Lieutenant Kelly, and he's the main guy. He's the lead in in Tenet. So um, it was. I've never seen him before, so that was a good little um, way to get a quick glimpse of him before that movie. But yeah. Oh well, I'm going to have to. Um, what, what am I going to pull out of the bag for this week's movie? If you want to uh, watch along with us at home, then uh, come and join our, our Discord channel. It's where we we post our, our movie of the week, so that if you want to watch it and um, share your thoughts, we'd we'd love to hear them. Certainly do. Dan, can I hand over to you for some news? 
I was going to do like a new sound. Is it? Is it? That's is brilliant. It That's brilliant. I'm going to cut that piece of audio. I'm going to have it as my ringtone. Amazing. Good. 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 All right. So to the news desk. So what have we got going on? So a few things. We've got um, an official release date for The Mandalorian Season 2. So um, great, great news. So we are looking at a return um, of uh, The Mandalorian and Baby Yoda on the 30th of October. So still, sorry. I was going to say 30th of October. This is the day. This is the way. This is the day. This is Correct, correct. So, yeah, in the not-too-distant future, I think good news for everyone is it gives you quite a bit of time to maybe refresh yourself on season one of The the Mandalorian. You know, mate, you might want to start watching that maybe, you know, early October. Mm. Make sure you get those eight episodes in. Get right up to date. Exciting times. We'll definitely be talking about, I imagine, each episode of the show That's the um, throughout, throughout the pod. I can't wait. It's definitely going to be spoiler rich, so make sure you're uh, you're keeping current. Mind you, they normally come out uh, in New Zealand on a on a Monday, uh, so that you know we record on a you, you get the episode on a Friday. So lots of, lots of time to make sure you're current. What else have we got on the news desk? Ah, his Netflix is um, is now streaming some content for free, which is I think is a an interesting um, model that they're going for. So obviously um, it's not all content on Netflix, particularly it's it's more based around Netflix originals and being used as a way to entice new watchers. Um, and I think it's a pretty good model. I think you can already sign up to Netflix mm. for a month for, for free, I believe. So this, I think, probably further removes the barrier to allow people to, to try before they buy, I guess. Correct. That's great. Moving into a slightly different uh, genre, so this this is coming straight from uh, Vince McMahon, one one of your favorite uh, <laughs> favorite people, Paul. So a little bit of news from the the WWE headquarters that Vince McMahon says that talent can't engage with third parties um, and how it could affect WWE moving forward. And so what this article is all about is <laughs> this is this is the news. This is incredible. <laughs> Look, the wrestling, Not I haven't watched wrestling for hundreds of years. I'd just like to clarify that I like Vince McMahon just purely because he appears on that gif, <laughs> the way he's walking. Oh, yeah. I love the walk. Okay. <laughs> That's all. Okay. I've seen you do the walk. It's good. What's interesting about it, so on a news front, is so a lot of wrestlers – also get involved in um, Twitch, <laughs> Twitch streaming. They get involved in YouTube channels. They get involved in gaming. And Vince McMahon, <laughs> you're laughing for, is putting the is, he wants to put the squeeze on. He wants to control the WWE brand. And when you think about characters like the like the Rock, who are obviously um, have you know left the WWE, but still with a, a good relationship, I I imagine there's probably deals in the background to actually buy buy the name back of The Rock and stuff like that because often these these characters are made into um, part of the sort of um, merchandising and, and money-making machine. So an interesting model to see whether you can kind of control that much of mm. um, people's lives and identities. So the news desk is, a, is an interesting place, Paul. Sometimes we'll talk about popcorn. Sometimes we'll talk about WWE. Who knows? Who knows? couple more nuggets for you while I'm here. 
Borat season two. So <laughs> there was a season one. I know there was a movie, but there's a season two. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I don't know why I've added the word season in there. I think you, you've really thrown me. Borat one, and now filming is underway or potentially already finished for Borat two. So it was long believed that the the Borat character had been um, retired. So um, Sasha Baron Cohen um, plays Borat, and he's been seen around. America basically in the in the Borat costume um, and obviously a lot of the uh, a lot of his acting and comedy is done you know with real life unsuspecting people and and I imagine it would be so hard to to film Borat too these days because you know everybody knows well you know a lot of people know who the characters are but I think what we've seen from um, some of the the recent content from Sasha Baron Cohen is that there's the obviously with so much going on in America, not everybody does know um, who this fictitious character is. Borat, I think, is a movie which like, I've seen it a few times recently over the, the last few years, and it actually still holds up. And I, I'm pretty excited for Borat too. I think it's got some, it's going to have some good laughs. I think particularly when you think about this being filmed during the the pandemic, some of the advent- adventures and antics are going to be, you're going to be super high risk. It's going to be edgy. It's not going to be for everyone, but it's probably going to be a laugh. Mm. Are you a Borat fan, Paul? I watched the movie. I remember laughing a lot. I remember the costume. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I will watch you, the sequel. You have been key, don't you, for uh, swimming down at the Capity Beach? You, you got it. You got it. Yep. And a, a final bit of news for me. So Balia, which is the the Fresh Prince of Balia reboot that's happening, has already been given a, a season two order. So we're going to be getting uh, two seasons of um, Balia in America that's going to be on Peacock, which is the um, the, the streaming service which is, which is going to offer that. So interesting, we've already got two seasons. But that's, that's all I've got on my news desk, Paul. How about yourself? It's fascinating. Fascinating that Bel Air has got a second season already because this is the show that, you know, we were talking about just recently saying, oh, do they really need to go there with the, and obviously somewhere along the line, they've got enough support. What I love about the news desk is because this, this, this podcast, as the name gives away, is so little thought put into the planning. It's, it's like playing bingo. It's like playing battleship. That's what it's like. I, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at my news stories that I've found and like, you're just sinking each of my articles. Oh, he's taken that. He's taken that. Admittedly, I didn't, I didn't have the, uh, uh, the, the wrestling one, but um, I've got a couple of things in here and this first one may be of interest to you. So Timothy Zahn, uh, the author who created the, the Star Wars character, Grand Admiral Thrawn, he has delivered uh, the first book in a new trilogy uh, called Chaos Rising. Uh, so that's, yeah, I own all of the Star Wars canon novels. That's probably why this is news for me. It's definitely a must-have for me. It's a great author, a great character, as you well know from watching Rebels. Um, the first trilogy of books was absolutely brilliant. It showed how Thrawn sort of came to to, to come into the, the Empire's uh, knowledge, how, how he worked with Vader, how he worked with Palpatine. So, um yeah, looking forward to, to reading that. Um, the Batman movie, that one has been shut down due to COVID, possibly Robert Pattinson. Really terrible news just after last week we were talking about how excited we are about that one coming along. So obviously we wish everyone well there because that's that's a movie that has to happen and it will happen. But uh, yeah, really disappointing to hear that. 
Uh, what else have I got here? Oh, so season three trailer for Star Trek Discovery dropped this week. Fans are excited. I have resisted watching it so far, but I don't know how much longer I can hold out because, uh, yeah, I really can't wait after the season two ending. Why are you resisting? You're resisting for you want to go in pure sort of spoiler free, or are you just trying to save it for a rainy day? What's the what's the rationale? The the former. So it's like we talked about a few weeks ago about just you know sometimes trailers give away too much. I I love the idea of going in to a movie or to a TV show completely cold. I know I'm not going to be able to do it. I don't know why I'm kidding myself. It's Star Trek. I have to see it, and I follow too many things on social media, so I'm always going to read about it anyway. Um. Then the only other thing I've got here that you didn't talk about is, and we we heard about this through uh, someone raising it in our Discord news channel, a new Alien movie is in the works, um, confirmed by Ridley Scott himself. Uh, so this movie may not directly follow uh, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, but I'll be honest, I just don't care. I really don't care. If there's a new Alien movie and Ridley Scott is making it, it can be placed anywhere in the timeline. I'm not bothered. I love these movies. I really enjoyed the last two movies that came out. And if they decide not to follow that, so be it. Um, Cause I don't think everyone quite was on board as much as I was perhaps, but uh, really exciting to see a new alien movie come to our screens at some point in the future. And that's all I've got on the news. Actually, I do have one other bit of news that um, Mulan came to Disney Plus um, mm. last week. So, though it is a, a premium product on Disney Plus, so here in New Zealand, what that means is you have to pay $39.99 uh, to watch um, Mulan, um, or you can wait to watch it for free on the on the fourth of December. I was really surprised. I, I've heard through. Um, various people that I've talked to, so many people have purchased this movie um, or, or, or hired this movie. I guess you don't own it like you own a movie on maybe iTunes or, or Google Play. So seems like it'll be interesting. I'm not sure if we'll ever see any stats around it, but I, I guess what might be a tell in this space is if, if they start releasing more movies mm. in this way. Um, and it's it's such an interesting model to me because – if you buy a movie on iTunes or Google Play, it kind of feels like it's yours, and whereas streaming content comes and goes. Um, but I guess when it's a Disney-produced product, it's not going to disappear unless you um, don't subscribe to that service anymore. But having paid $40 and then maybe cancelling your subscription and then still not accessing the movie, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I can't cope with that. I cannot cope with that at all. Just the thought of not being able to own it for that much money that said Mulan doesn't necessarily appeal to me in terms of a purchase uh, that I can't but if it was something that I really wanted to see and let's be honest if Diana and I were to go to the cinema we're going to be paying the better part of $40 anyway it's kind of uh, you know what's the, what's the difference I guess cool so it must be time to go to the mailbag you got a sound effect for me there's no sound effect. No, nothing can follow your news desk sound effect, so I'll leave I'll leave that there. Um, the first piece of mail we got, actually, I think maybe actually almost qualifies as news. So a couple of months ago, you and I reviewed uh, the Bad Samaritan 
uh, starring David Tennant. And uh, we actually had a reply from someone at the time asking if there might be a sequel, which, of course, you know, Half Measures didn't have an answer for. But the writer of the movie, um, the guy who also wrote Venom, he did reply uh, to our tweet um, simply with the words, could be. So I've done a quick scan of the net and I can see no news rumors or anything about this. So if there is a sequel to The Bad Are we breaking this news? You literally heard about it from us first. So that's that's what I'm saying here. I just want that to be on the record. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Um, believe it or not, this week's mailbag most talked about thing from last week's podcast, uh, which is typically what the mailbag consists of, the most thing talked about was Flash Gordon, which I just did not expect, given that this was a black and white 1936 movie serial. Uh, Norman Lau and John Champion from Mission Log both got involved on the Flash Gordon. Um, John mentioning that he loved the production design. He thought Buster Crab was terrific. A lot of fun. Um, Frank Todaro, star screen himself. He also uh, loved the uh, the Flash Gordon post. Um also, what else have we got here? Oh, so Dan, your review of um, Project Power. That got some love on Instagram, including from Alan Maldonado. Uh, he was the guy who played Landry. He played opposite Jamie Foxx in that movie. Uh, so that was that was pretty cool that he liked that. Our review of The Umbrella Academy got a fair bit of traffic on the socials as well, including from Jeff King, who's uh, the show's producer. So that was awesome. Uh, what else have we got? Some peak performance responses in the mailbag. So Fight Club was a really popular choice for um, Helena Bonham Carter. And we had a couple of people pick that one out. Uh, for Clint Eastwood, um, Paddy from Time Traveling Tink, uh, he went with The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Uh, we had honorable mentions for Gran Torino, In the Line of Fire. That's a great movie. I really Forgot about that, actually. Really, really good. Um, Heartbreak Ridge and Kelly's Heroes. Kelly's Heroes, that goes back a long, long way. Um, we, also, we also had a message come through uh, from someone called Jamie Kay in New South Wales. Uh, he said, I just wanted to drop you a message as I've recently stumbled across your podcast and have been absolutely loving it, uh, especially loved the, uh, the cartoons you watched as kids episode, uh, which was episode nine, way, way back uh, in the early days of Half Measures. So um, great to have you listening, Jamie. I actually went to uh, school with a guy called Jamie Kay. I wonder if it's the same guy. He was always better at me than football. Great guy, but he's just, yeah, I could never beat him when he was on the ball. Um, another compliment for us, and actually for Maria Bello uh, from uh, the, uh, the movie we reviewed last week, uh, History of violence uh, this comes from ryan in san francisco he says a uh, great review guys another great episode love cronen uh, love cronenberg movies rad film my favorite maria bello movie and yeah that's pretty much it other than that we have already had a number of questions coming through um for our upcoming interview with voice actor frank todaro from transformers i'm not sure if he'll be able to answer all of them so we've got one in there which is about season two pretty sure um half measures podcast will not be getting any uh exclusives about netflix season two transformers war for cybertron um but yeah it will be uh be really interesting um for uh, when we when we have frank on the podcast he's played starscream as we said in a number of different transformers series most recently the war for cybertron series uh also in titans return uh power of the primes 
combine awards. He has he also has an incredible catalogue of other work as well. So uh, so yeah, keep those questions coming, and uh, we'll look forward to putting as many of them as possible forward to Frank in a few weeks' time. And that's the mailbag then. Great stuff, great stuff. So yeah, definitely get those questions in. It's going to be awesome talking to Frank, and hopefully we get some more of that amazing uh, Starscream voice. I'm still not sure how I'm going to be able to contain myself, but we'll see how we go. I won't go by this. So yeah, we'll be in it together. So that must bring us around to our, our peak performances. So for the the newcomers amongst you, this is where each week, much like how we choose a movie. Um, we take turns at choosing an actor and an actress, and then we decide, um, you know, what we think are their their, their peak performances. And so this week uh, we have gone for Daniel Day Lewis and Nicole Kidman. So, who should we start with this week, Paul? Should we start with Nicole Nicole Kidman? Yeah, kick us off. Yeah, all right. So um, Nicole Kidman, obviously been around for for quite a long time, has got a, a huge back catalogue of movies, um, is in some pretty great TV shows. Uh, Big Little Lies is a, I actually haven't seen it, but it's on my, it's on my watch list, and I, I constantly hear really good things about it. The first time I really remember uh, Nicole Kidman is actually through a a TV um, miniseries, mm-hmm. which was um, Bangkok Hilton. And I remember watching this movie. And so when did this come out? This came out in, in 1989. And so uh, so I would have been 10, 11. And ever since then, I, I can't speak to the quality of this TV show now, but that TV show terrified me for travel still to this day. <laughs> I don't want anyone hiding drugs in my in my luggage, and I don't want to be kept prisoner in a foreign jail. And if its only message was to sort of keep a young Daniel Whiting away from a path of drugs, it did its job. It did its job. And I I, I have really vivid memories of of her great performance in that. Um, she's been involved in, in in so many other great movies, um, some classics that come to mind: The BMX Bandits. Which was a a great yeah. um, a great movie when when I was young, um, Days of Thunder, which is kind of in the, for me it's one of those movies which is in that uh, Top Gun Correct. genre, um, and, and one of her, her I guess maybe her first film with Tom Cruise, but the I'm going to give you I guess the I guess my my runner up and my peak performance for Nicole is so. For runner-up, I'm going to go with a, a 2018 movie, Destroyer, and so a 2000, and, and so basically that's a movie where uh, Nicole Kidman plays a, a police detective, and she's reconnecting with people from a, an undercover assignment um, in her past, and she plays a type of Nicole Kidman I have never seen before in my life. Like she's she's hard, she's grizzled, she's kind of anemic, and I think she brings something so different. Um, from what we would normally expect from Nicole Kidman. It kind of reminds me of um, Charlie Theron Monster. and Mon- uh, Monster. Yeah. Um, su- such a different look. It, it's quite a good movie if you can if you can get your hands on it. But I think the mo- the number one movie for me is 
a movie from, when is this, 2001. It's Nicole Kidman in The Others, which is one of those uh, kind of like ghostly, spooky films. Um, so where basically Nicole Kidman um, lives in sort of a, a darkened old family house with uh, two of her children who are um, photosensitive, um, and she becomes convinced the, the home is haunted. And I just think she plays such – she does such a good job of – portraying fear um trying to look after her family she, she brings so much to the role for me and I think when I think of um Nicole Kidman um peak performances that stand out I think the the others is right up there for me but I think she's got a a, a pretty amazing back catalogue of uh, both not only tv shows miniseries and movies so how about you how did you find yourself with uh, Nicole Mm, it's interesting because eh, one of the things I love about this feature is it does make me go through the the back catalogs, typically using IMDb for me. And I saw Destroyer there, the one you just gave the runner up, and I thought, oh, I remember hearing about that and never watching it, and instantly added it to my watch list. And um, it's great to hear that you enjoyed it because yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm really interested in that. There's there's been a few movies of hers that I've really enjoyed over the years. She's an actress who, um, I guess. I don't feel like I've ever put a movie on simply because she was in it. So kind of not like I would like, uh, like a Julia Roberts or Jodie Foster type. I can't quite put my finger on it because by and large, when I, when I see her in movies, I think she, she's really, really good. Um, and I've also like destroyer. I've heard of she's been good in some other things that I haven't seen. So there's big little lies. Um, she's apparently real good in that got a lot of uh, awards and nominations for that. And I'm really interested to see her in a new movie that's coming out later this year with Hugh Grant as well. Um, I haven't seen her in the hours, which of course is one that she, you know, the one she got her best a- actress Oscar for. So I can't weigh in on that one either. But from, from what I've seen, the one I think I go with as my runner up, I'd actually go with a uh, cold mountain. I don't know if you uh, recall this one. I remember, um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and whilst I can't say that I remember everything about it now, um, I do remember, uh, her being really really good in that movie really really strong uh, alongside um jude law and renee zellweger uh, probably a again a, a bit of a grittier performance for her perhaps um there's been some some other films that i've enjoyed her in where she sort of hasn't been uh maybe front and center i've also i liked her in moulin rouge um even though that's not my genre at all i actually i did enjoy that um but my my peak performance for Nicole Kidman actually would be uh, the 1992 movie Far and Away. And this movie I actually thought was pretty, pretty decent. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure that everyone thought that. I certainly think some Irish people may not uh, rate the accents that, um, that her and, and Tom Cruise put on in that movie, kind of like Mel Gibson and Braveheart. A lot of Scottish people take exception to that. Um, but I found her scenes in that movie with Tom Cruise, given this was when they were together, of course, um, really quite genuine. And I, and so this this movie was about uh, you know an Irish couple that flee to the States and then struggle when they get there to you know, obtain land and, and, and so on. So I found a lot of the, the relationship scenes uh, and the, the struggle to be to be really real and i really enjoyed it and that's so um so yeah great great performance and 
yeah, looking forward. I hope to. I'm, I'm going to see if I can find Destroyer. Um, I remember seeing her talk about this on the Graham Norton show, and uh, I'm going to see if I can find it on a streaming platform. I think. Uh, what have we got next? Daniel so Day-Lewis. yeah, Daniel Day Lewis. So um, uh, another actor who's got a, a huge back catalogue um, of work. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis for me is one of those actors who, like he's such a character actor, like he he throws, uh, I don't know if I'm using that term right actually, but he throws his his heart and soul into into any character that he's going to betray. I feel like he, maybe more of like a a method actor, like I feel like he's someone who really wants to get inside that character's head and he wants to um, think Act, eat, drink, everything he can to to be that to be that person. Totally. And for me, there's there's so many movies from Daniel Day Lewis that that really stand out for me. Um, but I think the the two that do it the most for me, um, looking at all of his movies, is my my runner up choice is going to be Gangs of New York, um, which I think is a such a fantastic movie, obviously starring Leonardo DiCaprio, it's got Cameron Diaz, it's got Daniel Day-Lewis, but Daniel Day-Lewis is Bill the Butcher cutting, so great, and he's he's got a, like, he's menacing, he's terrifying, he's believable, mm-hmm. there's, it's a fascinating kind of, like, slice of, um, of, of history, obviously the Martin Scorsese um, film, and there's so much going on there that there's um, there's not a lot not to like for me. Agreed. But my my peak performance is I'm, I'm going to go with an, an older Daniel Day Lewis movie, and it's when I hear Daniel Day Lewis, this is the movie that I think of all the time. And when I think about nostalgia of the the Karate Kid, this movie is equally up there for me. And it's the last of the Mohican. Of the last of the Mohicans, which which came out in in uh, nineteen ninety two, so I feel like this is one of those movies. I've probably seen this at least ten times, and so many great scenes. Um, with um, I actually had to go back and just double check, like what was Daniel Day Lewis's role in this? Was he actually playing a, a American Indian? But Thankfully, he wasn't. He was um, playing an American who was raised by mm. um, by Indians, and so his character Hawkeye and the the journey of um, protecting a um, the the daughters of a of a British colonel um, in the in the midst of the the French um, and Indian War. It, it's it's so good. I think there's so many heroic moments. It reminds me also of it. It kind of came out in that same time as um, Dances with Wolves. And in, in my mind, even talking about this movie right now, I can still see um, Daniel Day-Lewis, like, you know, running through the waterfall, shooting the bow to, like, save the girl. There's there, there's so much um, there's so much to like about this movie. Um, and it's... Yeah, like it's it's a movie I could probably watch again. I I haven't seen it on any uh, streaming platforms for a long time, but it's for me, Daniel Day Lewis, Last of the Mohicans, peak performance. It's a great choice. I haven't seen it in a long time, a long time. In fact, I was just looking at it as you were talking about it, nineteen ninety two, and wondering, did I watch this in the cinema and haven't seen it since? Because I, I honestly don't know if I have. But yeah, really, really good choice. This is um, 
this is a great choice, Dan. So this is, you know, you, you've picked Nicole Kidman and Daniel Day-Lewis this week. And what I love about this choice is this is the first time since we've been doing these peak performances that I I knew instantly what movie I was going to go with as soon as I saw his name, which hasn't happened before. So that was, that was great. But first things first, as you said, Daniel Day-Lewis, he's just one of those actors who's just he's so intense in what he does and you, you use words like method and and i think that's something i was going to point to as well but he's also one of those actors who he only ever seems to turn up for some big roles right and he, he kind of strikes me as the type of actor who will quite happily not take on a role for quite a few years and then he'll come out of hiding and he'll do a, a real big number and i actually had a look and counted he's made seven movies in the last 23 years and that's not a lot by most actors standards in fact two of those were 2018 and 2019 movies i haven't even seen so that's like five movies in the better part of 20 years so i think that kind of makes him special from the point of view that when you do see him you sort of maybe appreciate him even a little bit more it's kind of like the christmas tree lights the kids never want the christmas tree lights to go back you know they want to keep them out all year but if we had them out all year you wouldn't appreciate it when they come back at christmas it's a bad analogy but you know what i mean um What's really interesting is my runner-up and my number one, uh, similar to yours, but a slightly different way because I, I was convinced, oh, we're going to do a one-two finish the same here. My number two is the same as yours, Gangs in New York. Uh, I remember thinking when that movie was announced and I saw the poster, I remember thinking, oh, I wish Robert De Niro had been cast. So I sort of felt like, oh, Scorsese, DiCaprio. I thought, oh, that slightly crazed role of um, you know Bill the Butcher uh i just felt that oh that's the perfect role for robert de niro but daniel day lewis came in and he just owned it and it was just absolutely amazing as you said so intense he really looked the part he really threw himself into the role as you said so um yeah great choice um he really makes that i think i've said that you know uh, leonardo dicaprio probably for me the, the greatest actor of our generation so for for me to come out of that movie and have a stronger memory about daniel day lewis really shows how great he did in that role um but my peak performance um and the one that stands out for me and the one that i just knew instantly is the 2007 movie there will be blood uh as the oil prospector daniel plainview an amazing movie and you know, this is really the Daniel Day-Lewis show, this whole movie, with all due respect to the rest of the cast in that movie. I can't even remember who they were. This is his movie. And, you know, yeah, he got the Oscar. Uh, this is one of those rare times where I 100% agreed with the Academy, you know, the Academy Awards. Um, his character was really well written, but there was just... I guess there was so much room for him to play in that space. With There was so much extreme hatred, such defiance, and yet that um, underlying overwhelming drive for him to be successful at any cost. I found that that absolute rage and energy. And yeah, it's an, you know, it's an intense movie. It's not an easy watch. It's not something you probably put on every year. Well, I wouldn't anyway. But um, it's a movie that just... Uh, others of that genre will always be measured against it's just it's just fantastic it's it's his peak performance i think it's a it's a great choice i really thought about booking that one as my as my peak but it's a movie that i've only seen once and i remember really really enjoying it but um i think for me it just became such a a fondness and passion for the for the older one that i i had to give it a shout out 
But I think this is the great thing about peak performance, right? There's 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 no winners or losers. We're we're all winners here on the day. Um, and it's, if nothing else, it's about reminding us about some of these these great classic movies that we, we've enjoyed over the years. And if nothing else, maybe you know, if you're looking for something to watch, maybe maybe this will inspire you to watch one of these one of these movies. Correct. And that's just about us well, then. Yeah, I think that brings us to the end of another episode of the the Half Mishes podcast. Another another longer episode. We we do it every week, Paul. It's incredible. It's these intros. We could be shaving 20 minutes off it. Um, but nevertheless, here we are. If people want to find us, Paul, where might they do that? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Half Measures Pod. You can also find us on Pinterest. You can also find us on Tumblr. You can go to our website, halfmeasurespodcast.com. Uh, and if you've uh, you know got a TV show you'd like to recommend for us to either review or, or watch, then just let us know. Uh, thanks. Once again, to Mission Log and the Roddenberry Podcast Network for their support as well. And also to our Patreon producers, uh, Trisha Brady and Samara King. Thank you for your support. And if you'd like to support us, then reach out to us at patreon.com forward slash half measures pod cast. Cast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that bit normally. I was really winging that. I should have just left it alone. You're, you're really going for it. I was like, yeah, you can do it, Paul. Um, yeah, look, and look, all of these links are down in the show notes. Um, but if nothing else, like, come and join the Discord channel. It's a it's a great place to, um, as you, you know, see what we're up to, make some recommendations, chat to us, talk to us about what you liked about the show, what you didn't like. Um, it's it's a fun space. But until next week, that's us. Adiós.